Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. If you have your Bibles today, just give me a few minutes to share the Word of God with you. Are you hungry for the Word of God? If you have your Bibles, open up to um, Exodus chapter 17. And we're going to continue with our series on the Big Nine Promises. The Big Nine Promises. And there's bookmarks in your seat pocket in front of you to help you understand that God has so many promises for you. And uh, they're connected with the covenant names of God. And there are over... 3,000 promises in God's word, but we're only focusing in on what I call the big nine. And they're connected with the covenant names of God. And so the first one that we looked at was Jehovah Jireh. And he's the first big promise of God. I will provide for you. I will provide for you. The second one was Jehovah Rapha. And it's the second big promise of God, which is I will heal you. How many of you are, are believing for healing? Come on. Let me tell you something. Before the service is finished today, we're going to pray for you. For God to heal you. For God to come and touch you. If you. How many of you need healing in your body? We're not going to stop praying. We're not going to stop asking because God is the healer. I will heal you as he's promised to us. And today we're going to be looking at the third big promise, Jehovah Nissi, which means I will cause you to win. I will cause you to win. And so uh, let's read the story in uh, Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 15. And it says this, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Very powerful, very powerful thought. When the hands went up, the people of God prevailed. When the hands went down, the enemy prevailed. Everybody just lift up your hand. You want to win? Lift your hands. You want to win? Put your hands to heaven. You want to win? Connect with God. As soon as you drop your hands in your own strength, you start to give the enemy power. As soon as you lift up your hands, you start to get God's power. Drop your hands in your own strength. You do it by yourself. Lift your hands towards God. He's with you. He's helping you. Come on. How many of you need God's help? Lift up your hand if you need God's help. That's good. See how long you can keep it up. Anyway. <laughs> so poor old Moses, he needed help to keep his hands up. And so it says in verse 12, When Moses' hands became heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Everybody say, praise God for Aaron and Hur. How many of you need an Aaron and Hur around you? 
just to keep your hands pointed to heaven. Can I, can I just tell you right here is why connect groups is so important. Because in connect groups, we got Aaron's and we got hers. And they're there with one purpose, and that's to keep your hands heaven, heaven held. Come on, if you're at a connect group, you're on your own. If you're in connect group, you've got, you're surrounded by people. Is that a good plug for connect groups? If there ever was a good plug for connect groups in the Bible, it's this verse right here. And uh, kept his hands up until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who is our banner, which literally means the Lord who causes us to win. Can I give you the backstory to this? Are you ready for the backstory? Let me quickly give you the backstory. Joseph one of the patriarchs brought his family to Egypt. And uh, the Bible says, and you can read this in Exodus chapter 1, that after many years, a Pharaoh rose up that had no history or understanding about Joseph and the importance of Joseph. And he looks into Egypt and sees all these foreigners, these people who were strong and mighty and decided these people are strong and mighty than us. We need to suppress them. We need to push them down. And they hated the children of Israel. The Egyptians literally hated the children of Israel and turned them into slaves. Talk about racism. This is huge racism happening here to such an extent that at one stage they decided to kill all the babies that were born male, kill them and throw them into the river. They hated the children of Israel. And so for 400 years, the children of Israel were brought under, they were brought up under servitude. They were brought up every single day being told how much they were hated, how much they were only there for one purpose, and that was to serve the Egyptians. And, and so you can understand that when you're brought up with that mindset, it affects the way you think. It affects the way you feel. How many of you are brought up being bullied or under racism or being put down? I, I, I know that as a, you know, the son of an Italian migrant, I was subjected to a lot of racism. I was subjected to a lot of bullying growing up. And it literally affected the way that I thought about myself. It affected the way that I looked at myself. And uh, so imagine if your whole people for 400 years were subjected to that. You've got a mindset and mentality, which is slave mentality. So what we have is the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And this is all figurative language. You can, it, it actually is Amazing figurative language, and Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 actually gives us insight into what it means. And so the figurative language is, this is God's people subject to Pharaoh, which is a symbol of the enemy, in Egypt, which is a symbol of the world. And God says, I want to deliver you from the bondage of the enemy. I want to deliver you from the bondage of the world. And so God sends a deliverer. His name is Moses. They come up out of Egypt, out of the world, out of the bondage. And God defeats them, takes them through the Red Sea, which is a symbol of baptism. And in the 11 o'clock service, we have a baptismal service. we got three people getting baptized in the 11 o'clock service. And 
you're more than welcome to stay on if you want to stay on for the 11 o'clock service and see three. Matter of fact, we've got um, uh, one of our converts from Fairfield coming in the 11 o'clock service who was saved from the bondage of ISIS. He was literally, and he'll, he'll share a little bit of his testimony in the 11 o'clock service, where he was subject to ISIS. He was imprisoned by ISIS, but God saved him, set him free, and he was begging us to baptize him. And so the bus has gone to Fairfield to bring them here for the 11 o'clock. It's just going to be awesome, absolutely awesome. And, and here's people getting saved, get through baptism. And, and then what we have is that when, when they were baptized in the Red Sea, it was the same sea of baptism that God used to defeat the enemy. And the Egyptian army got drowned in the Dead Sea. How many of you know there's an incredible symbol there that when you take that step of baptism, God defeats your enemies. There is something powerful about that. Anyway, it's 11 o'clock service. So, uh, so then what happens is that they come up out of Egypt and one of the first revelations at uh, three days out of, out of the Red Sea, we talked about this uh, uh, last week, is that God reveals himself as I'm the Lord that heals you. One of the first revelations is not only am I the Lord that saves you, I'm the Lord who heals you. How powerful is that? God wants to heal you, not just save you. That's the beginning of the miracle, but he wants to heal you spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally in every part of your life. Then what happens is that they move forward and they run out of food. There's no food. And, uh, and God literally subjects them to a time of feeling hunger. You know why? Because when you're feeling hungry, you start to search for something. And so God wanted to underline, you know what? I'm not just going to give you food so that you don't appreciate what you get. I'm going to bring you to a place of hunger so you begin to appreciate what you get. And then when they were hungry, God rained from heaven the bread of heaven and gave them manna. For 40 years, he gave them manna. And manna is a symbol of Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Matter of fact, in John chapter 6, Jesus talks of himself as the bread of heaven. And Jesus said of himself, I'm the bread of life. And so we have the symbolism here, but it's, it's a story for us to understand that God's wanting to reveal something so powerful to us. Then what happens is they run out of water. And, uh, and so God let them run out of water so that they started to get, you know, just hungry and thirsty for water, hungry for bread. And then God gives them this rock. And what an incredible symbol it is where God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, there's the rock at Horeb, at, at Rephidim. And this is the same place where they had the battle with Amalek. And I want you to strike the rock. And when you strike, I mean, how many of you can see the symbolism here? When you strike that rock, that, that rock is going to blow bleed and it's going to bleed water and whoever drinks of that water will satisfy their thirst and again in first corinthians chapter 10 we, we, we we're told that there's a symbolism of jesus the rock that had to be struck and when he was struck he bled forth the life of the world and jesus said that he is the water of life and those who drink of him will not thirst again incredible symbolism incredible and then we come to the battle with Amalek. So that battle with the Egyptians, which is representative of battling with the world and the devil. And now this is Amalek. And Amalek is a son of Esau. 
And what we have in Esau is the symbolism of the flesh. Uh, we, we, we see that he was the man that sold his birthright for just a bowl of, of lentil soup. How many of you would sell your birthright? But that's what happens with the flesh. You sell that which is valuable for that which just satisfies for just a momentary bit of time. And so and all of a sudden, they, they, they are confronted with this enemy who picks a fight on them. Amalek picks a fight on them. And so what we have is this warfare between the flesh and the spiritual man. And uh, what we have very powerfully demonstrated to us here is that if you want to defeat the flesh, it's through prayer. Everybody say through prayer. Prayer is powerful. Everybody say prayer is powerful. And what we have here is the symbolism of, of Moses. When, and God put him on a hill so he could see what was going on. See, sometimes we need perspective. Sometimes you need perspective about what's going on in your life. You can be so caught up in the planes and the fights that you don't see what's going on. God literally lifted Moses up out of the plane, put him on a hill so he could get good perspective. And there he was able to see that when his hands were lifted up, Joshua prevailed. When his hands came down, the flesh prevailed. Every time he prayed, it was like strength was given. Every time he stopped praying, strength was taken away. Prayer is powerful. And you know what? This, uh, this last Sunday, how many, of you, how many of you saw my Facebook page with uh, what I put on my Facebook page last Sunday? Last Sunday, unbeknownst to most people, um, a certain very famous person went to one of our churches in Geelong, Melbourne. Happened to be the Prime Minister of Australia. Went to one of our Planet Shaker churches. And, uh, and, and so Russell Evans, uh, who's the pastor of Planet Shakers, asked the Prime Minister whether he would like to lead the church in prayer. How many of you have seen this clip? How many of you have not seen this clip? This is a clip that happened last Sunday of our Prime Minister praying. Let's, let's play. Let's, you want to see it? Are you sure you want to see it? Have a look. This is the Prime Minister of Indonesia this morning. And Lord, we just, we just pray for your spirit and your presence there. That you'll bring, you'll bring comfort to despair. You'll bring insight to confusion. That you'll be with President Widodo. And you'll give him what he needs to comfort his people and to see their way through this terrible, terrible crisis. We pray for your blessing on them this morning, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So we're going to, the Bible says for us to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our leaders. And you know, being in this job, I would have no idea. But uh, the, the pressure, the time pressure, Every type of thing this that you have to deal with, the, the wisdom that you need. And now it gets so interrupted. I wrote another prayer. I meant to pray for this too. <laughs> Don't you love that? Don't you love that? I really did. I was a bit overwhelmed by your welcome. Let's pray for one more thing. Lord, we pray for our farmers. Yes. Lord, we pray for our rural communities, our indigenous communities. 
Lord, we pray that you'll bring light, that you'll bring hope, that you'll bring encouragement, and Lord, that you will bring rain. In Jesus' name. Oh, man, I tell you, I tell you, that makes me so happy. Does that make you happy? Uh, when you see the Prime Minister of Australia praying, and, uh, and how many of you know that since that prayer, it hasn't stopped raining? <laughs> Uh, it hasn't stopped raining, it's still raining right now. And uh, how awesome it is to have a prime minister that prays like that. That's Pentecostal praying. That's praying with faith. That's praying with power. That's praying in the name of Jesus. That's, that's, that's awesome praying. That's not just religious praying. That is just praying with faith. And um, I, I'm, I'm just, look, I, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Uh, because I did not believe that in my day I'd see a prime minister that could pray like that. Uh, and uh, how awesome is that? Matter of fact, this past week I was listening to Ben Fordham on 2GB, who 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 found this clip and was praying, was playing it. And he said, he said, hey, um, fact is, if he ever loses this job, he's another job waiting for him. You know, he he prays with passion, and uh, and they they're praising him up on the fact that that um, you know when someone prays, what's in their heart is revealed. And how beautiful it was for, for what was in our Prime Minister's heart is compassion for our neighbours up the road that have just, you know, been devastated by earthquake. And uh, incidentally, can I just say this, that Indonesia is having an incredible revival. Um, Indonesia at the moment is the world's most populated Muslim country. But within the next 30 years, there'll be more Christians in Indonesia than Muslims. The Christians are growing at a rate that is far superseding. What's, yeah, if you're going to give the Lord a clap, give him a good one. Uh, I love that. Something is happening up the road in Indonesia, and it is phenomenal. What do you say, Maggie? It's brilliant, isn't it? Amen. Prayer is powerful, the power of prayer. And, and you cannot go past this verse and see how the importance of prayer is all part of your victory. You want to win, don't you stop praying. Keep praying. There's something powerful in prayer. And, and you know, I'm looking forward to the day where our monthly prayer meeting is packed with people. So on the first Friday of every month, we have a prayer meeting here. And, uh, and at the moment, it's the Cinderella meeting of the church. It's the neglected one. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's the neglected one. But can I tell you that the day is coming where you're going to have to line up to get to the prayer meeting because the power, what do you reckon, Helen? Uh, are you wanting to shout and clap for that? I'm telling you, because prayer, when you start to understand that prayer is powerful, you'll give into that. Okay, so then through all this, you know, some of you, some of you need to be praying more and worrying less. Because, you know, the Bible says in Philippians, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. I remember getting this revelation as a 16-year-old because I was brought up in an environment of worry. Can, can I tell you what worry is? Worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. That's what worry is. But let me tell you what prayer is. 
Prayer is having a conversation with the God who has the power of changing everything. So don't worry about anything. Pray about everything because he has the power to change everything. Come on. So it's in this that God reveals to Moses and Joshua. I am the Lord that causes you to win. I'm Jehovah Nissi, the God who causes you to win. I'm the Lord. So, so it uses, in your Bible, it says, I'm the Lord, your banner. And so uh, how many of you watched any of the grand finals last weekend? We've got Mandy here who is a fan of Collingwood. And so before the game, there was a sign when their banner got destroyed by the wind. It was a sign. They scored the first five goals, but the sign was already written that their banner was destroyed. What's interesting is that they're all flying the banners at the beginning of the game, but when the game finished, there was not one Collingwood banner to be seen. The only banners that were flying were the banners of the winning side. And that's exactly what the banner is for. You fly it when you're a winner. The same with the, the rugby I know that none of you are sports fans here. Uh, none of you. Uh, uh, when we talk about sport, there's this, huh? I, I look at you guys and go, huh? So sport. And, uh, but, uh, but for those of you that don't know, last weekend in, in, the, in the NRL, the Roosters defeated the Storm. And, uh, and so you see all these Roosters crowing and uh, they, they crowed and the Storm just slinked under their chairs. All the banners disappeared and the Roosters, and they're still flying the banners. Why is that? Because when you win, you fly the banner. It's the winning team that flies the banner. So the Lord says, I'm your banner. I'll cause you to fly your banner. You'll be on the winning side. Come on, get a banner and start flying it. Who's on the Lord's side? Because the Lord's side is the winning side. I'll cause you to win. Now, let me just say really clearly here that we are not promised no battles. We are not promised no struggles. We are not promised. Just put up the next screen, the next slide, number three, the uh, covenant name, Jehovah Nissi. We are not promised no battles. We are not promised no struggles. We're not promised no difficulties. Matter of fact, we are literally promised that in this world we will have tribulation. It's interesting. Jesus had this discourse at the Passover, the last Passover. The next day he was getting crucified. So you can read... The, this, the discourse starts in John chapter 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It's the beginning of the Passover discourse. John chapter 13, John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. Verse 33, the last verse of the Passover discourse. Then you get to John 17, which is the high priestly prayer. And, but the last word, the last verse in the Passover discourse is, hey, in this world, you will have tribulations. You know what? There's no full stop there. Matter of fact, what happens is right there, there's a big word and the big word is, but, but in this world, you will have tribulations. In this world, you'll have struggles. In this world, you'll have battles. In this world, you'll have fights. But, everybody go, but. And then he says, be of good cheer. 
<laughs> See, the last word is not you're going to have fights and tribulations. The last word is be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Come on. This is where you need to start shouting and jumping. God has overcome. He's overcome. And you with him overcome. You get to win. You get to win. See, the Bible is full of this. And this is where some of us need to change our culture. Some of you have got a losing culture. Some of you have got a mentality. And this is what God wanted to shake out of the children of Israel. For 400 years, they had a losing culture. They had a losing mentality. How many of you have been on, on a team that you lose every week? You've been on a team where every week you lose. How many of you ever played? None of you played sport. I don't know. Huh? I don't know. Some of, you, some of you play the lotto. You play the lottery. I know that. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, I know. And, and you're losing every week. And you're losing every week. Why? Because our tithes haven't tripled after you've won the lotto. Okay, I've got you worked out. Okay, so this is what happens is this, is that you can get into a losing mentality. You get into a, a, a victim mentality. And for 400 years, that's what these people had. They, they were negative mentality. Matter of fact, anytime there was a problem, all they did, well, they, they, that's, 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 that's us. We're losers. We're murmurers. We're complainers. Because that's what we're used to. And he's God trying to get it out of them. He's God trying to say to them, you know what? You're no longer slaves. You're now sons. Yeah. You're now my special treasure. You're you're not the underdogs of the Egyptians anymore. You're not people that are stomped underfoot anymore. You're children of God. I want to change your mentality from slave mentality to children of God mentality. And some of you have got to change that mentality from losing all the time to beginning to get to the winning side. So you come onto the field knowing, oh, we've got your number, man. You throw your hardest at us, but we've got it covered. We're the winning side. We're the winning side. Can anybody say amen to that? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're on the winning side. See, you're going to pass through. The Bible tells us that you're going to pass through the waters. Yep, you're going to pass through some floods. But the Bible says you'll get through the other end without being drowned. You're going to go through the fire. The Bible tells us you'll go through the fire. But then it says, but you're not going to be burnt. I love that. You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, that's true. But you're going to come out the other side in the light of God with not even the smell of smoke on your body. Come on. God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? See, God and I make a majority. The God factor is the advantage factor. If God is on your side, of what shall you be afraid? Come on, you've got to get this revelation. Because some of you have got the information, but not the revelation. You know, if, if I say to you, if God be for you, who can finish it off? Who can be against you? But you've got the information, but is it your revelation? That's the point. The point is, you've got the information, you can quote it. If I press the button, bang, the words will come out. 
But what about when you're fighting your battle? What about when you come into your trial? Is it what really is on the inside? Because if it's on the inside, then you will not be stressed. You will not be under pressure. You'll begin to say, you know what, devil? You throw your hardest at me, but God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? This thing is temporary. This thing, because I've got the revelation of Jehovah Nissi, I get to win. I'm in this battle, but I'll get to win this battle. This is not the last word. God has the last word. You know, I look around this auditorium and I look at some of you and I, and I look at the fact that many of you have gone through seasons of life. And some of you, I, I mean, Mandy was just up here a few moments ago and three years ago, she was in a season of life. You packed up your bags, hadn't you? You knew that there was a new season. You'd, you, you'd gotten out. You, you, you were renting. You were ready. But they didn't know that God had our church, this amazing church, an incredible ministry. They didn't know that that was their future. But God knew. And, and, but they were ready. They're saying, you know what? God hasn't destined us to lose. God has destined us to win. And we're ready for that next chapter. We're ready for that next chapter. And I want to say to some of you, get ready for that next chapter. You might be in your stress. You might be, oh, come on. Come on. I'm, Lee, can I just speak to you right now from the Spirit of God? Now, God is speaking to you right now and saying to you, you've looked at your situation and you think you've lost. You think that this has disappeared and that's disappeared. But God's going to make it up to you. God is going to restore everything that the canker worm has eaten. God is going to bring back to you that which you've lost because God has destined you to win. He sees the faithfulness of your heart and God's going to turn everything around. God's going to turn everything around. Everybody go like this. God's going to turn everything around. God's going to turn everything around. God's going to turn everything around. Matter of fact, some of you need to stand up and go like this and say, God's going to turn everything around. God is the God of the turnaround. God is the God of the turnaround. Come on, you need to get the revelations. You need to get it into your spirit that God is the God of the turnaround. I've got so much more to say to you. My time is up. They're already playing the music. The music is being played. We got to do how great thou art. We got to do that, Dan. Come on. You know, I've got so much more to say, but I can do that next week and the following week and the week after. What you've got to get into your spirit is this. Jehovah Nissi means God will cause you to win. God's going to cause you to win. But you've got to get on the Lord's side. You've got to get on the Lord's side. I, I want to finish with this just one story. It's such a powerful story. When I was a kid growing up, my dad only had one favorite television program, and it was World Championship Wrestling. Mario Milano. Brute Bernard. He used to frighten me to death, Brute Bernard. But every now and then, what would happen is this. They'd have tag team wrestling. How many of you remember that? Tag team wrestling. You remember that? Tag team wrestling. It was my, fa my father's favorite program. He used to scare, scare me to death. But this is the way that tag team wrestling worked. You always had the two goodies and the two baddies. And so with tag team wrestling, someone had to be outside of the ring when someone was in the ring. And the only way that you could get the outsider in the ring was to tag team. You had to touch, tag team. 
And so the baddies, they would gang up on the one that was on the inside and they'd pummel him and he's exhausted and he's trying to reach out to his friend, but he wasn't able to tag team. And, and we're all hoping, please, you've got to tag team because the guy out there, he's strong. He'll come in and he'll defeat the baddies. Just tag team. And you know what I just feel today? The Spirit of God is saying, you've just got to tag team the living God. You've got to turn to Him and say, Jesus, would you come into the ring? Just tag, turn your gaze, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Oh, can you play that one, Dan? <laughs> turn your eyes upon Jesus. You've got to tag team with Jesus. He'll come into your situation. You don't have to fight the baddies by yourself. Because if you're doing it by yourself, it'll seem like they're winning. But when you call King Jesus into the ring, he is full of strength. I'm telling you, those demons will start to tremble at the sound of the name. The sound of the name will cause demons to tremble. There is nothing that can stand between Jesus and you if you call upon him. And today, you just got to reach out. You got to stretch out. You got to say, Jesus, would you come into my situation? And he will turn your situation around. Come on today. Some of you need healing. Some of you need deliverance. Some of you need forgiveness. The enemy, he's trying to defeat you. But when you lift your hands up, call upon Jesus. He's going to turn everything around. Would you call upon him today? Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.